Welcome to a brand new week of Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, James Collins and Larry Spargimino have headlines from the end times, and special guest Stan Deo begins a brand new series that will share the findings from his search for the Garden of Eden. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. We appreciate you being here, whether it's on the radio, at our website, our mobile app, or on our podcast. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Our special guest today, Stan Deo, has held above top secret security clearance and worked undercover for the FBI. He was part of an exclusive black project specializing in the development of flying saucer technology. Stan is an author, lecturer, and in-demand conference speaker. Today, he's here to share his quest for the location of the Garden of Eden. Many Bible commentators believe that the site of the Garden of Eden was in the Middle East, situated somewhere near where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers are today. Some believe the garden was in Jerusalem. Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon religion, believed and taught that the Garden of Eden was in Independence, Missouri. Still others say that the Garden of Eden was destroyed in the universal flood of Noah and that its location will never be known. However, my guest today believes that all those views are wrong, and he also believes he knows where the Garden of Eden is located today. Joining me on Watchmen on the Wall to search for the location of the Garden of Eden is Stan Deo. Stan is an author, conference speaker, and explorer. He has held above-top secret security clearances and worked undercover for the FBI. He was part of an exclusive black project headed by Dr. Edward Teller that specialized in the development of flying saucer technology. He has appeared on numerous radio and television broadcasts, including being the documentary television host for several shows on Tesla. Stan is here today to talk about his quest for Eden. Stan, welcome to the program. It's great to have you on the show with me today. Thank you for the invitation. Well, before we talk about Eden, I want to ask you about Vendel Jones. Now, you are an amateur archaeologist in the Middle East, and you knew the real Indy Jones, Vendel Jones, and you explored his digs near the Wadi Ha'Kippa in Qumran. Years ago, Vendel was a frequent guest on this program. Tell me about Vendel and your friendship with him. Well, he lived over in Arlington. We were in Dallas, so we were just neighbors, and Dad knew him well. I spent very little time as a youth, but as I got older, and then when I was over in Australia, I came to visit him. Quite a remarkable guy. He he thinks out of the box. His explorations in the Qumran Valley are in Israel, full stop been really eye-opening to a lot of people, and one of his people that worked for him, like one of the college students that came to volunteer time during the summer to excavate various things, went to Hollywood later, and his story about the dig there at the Wadi Hakipa kind of led to the Indiana Jones books, although Hollywood doesn't want to admit that because of, I guess, legal and financial reasons, but that's one of the things that happened in the Indiana Jones things actually happened to Vendel Jones, a big stone rolling down inside the cave number near the, well, it's part of the Wadi Hakipa system. And they dislodged a stone that rolled down this ramp. And the ramp is still there today. So he was a real character, and he and I shared a lot of information back and forth after I went to the Middle East about the copper scrolls, which hold the details for the treasures of Israel, including, we think, the Ark of the Covenant. And so I figured out a way that we might be able to find the secondary code in that. And 
we were working on that later, and he died from cancer, and that stopped. Like I said in the introduction, there are several different theories as to where the Garden of Eden was located. What was it, Stan, that interests you in trying to locate Eden? I started looking in about 1988, I think it was, in Australia. And I never intended to look for the Garden of Eden, much less some of the other more remote spots like Atlantis and things like that. But I was out in my backyard there in Perth at nighttime, and I was cleaning out the cage I'd built for the rabbits that we had out the back of the property. And the driveway went up to that area and then went out to the street. Well, I was standing there looking down the driveway, looking down at the rabbits, and I was thinking, they're looking up at me as I'm cleaning their cage and their little garden, as it were. And I thought, that must be how we looked to God when he created the Garden of Eden. Just, just a you know, random thought, right? As I said that, and I was leaning on my shovel and turned to look down the driveway, suddenly a stillness came over. Everything got quiet, and I was like locked into the earth. I suddenly felt myself like a tumbler falling into place, moving with the earth. And I could feel my movement, you know, an earth movement through space. And I realized, maybe I can find the Garden of Eden. It, it was a weird feeling, no voice or anything like that, but just felt it. And at that point is when I started to go in and look up Garden of Eden and see if I could find it using maps and things that I had access to. Well, Stan, in your quest for Eden, you discovered that the earth has changed a lot in the last 6,000 years. How so? To begin with, the earth used to be about 20 to 25% smaller in diameter. Now, when that happens, the gravity of the earth changes. There's like 60% stronger gravity because your spinning is now faster and the planet's shorter, you know, smaller diameter. And the continents were all together at that time uh, in Pangaea. For those who are not familiar with the term, Stan, what, what exactly is Pangaea? Would you explain that? Well, science has, has discovered by looking at shorelines and things like that, that all the continents, the coastlines of the Earth, join together in one supercontinent on the Earth. You know, the dry land appeared, and that was it. And so Pangaea eventually, according to science, broke up and formed the various continents. Uh, Depending upon who you talk to, there's four or seven, between four and seven continents on the planet. But basically, we look at North America and South America as one continent, Eurasia is another, Africa is another, and uh, Australia is another. But this was all together at the time of the Garden of Eden, because it tells that there were four great rivers that came out of the Garden of Eden from one river that left, and it split. And I'm pretty sure that these made weak spots in the continent, uh, or in the Earth at Pangaea at that time. And when the Earth started to expand from an asteroid impact, it split at these weak points in the landmass in Pangaea, forming these supercontinents. So to locate Eden today, Stan, one would have to begin by understanding that the continents were once joined together, correct? Yes. Google Earth and other maps from various research facilities show that you can put everything back together again by following the stretch marks in the sea floor. Put all the continents back together again, then you can see this. India was one of the most difficult things that science has not yet kind of officially recognized. But India used to be a lot longer than it is now. And you can see that in the mud map of the Indian Ocean, where Sri Lanka was down parallel to Madagascar, slightly below that. But it was shoved up to where it is now because the crust, that thin crust of the earth, not the mantle, but the crust, was moved by a huge asteroid impact around 15 miles in diameter. We think around 2345 B.C., somewhere around there. And it shoved the surface, the, like the, the crust of the Earth in that area, which was where it was in India, on the East Coast. It shoved that up into 
China to make the Himalaya mountain ranges, which is why we have seashells and other things up in the top of the Himalayas. Right, yeah. Until you do that, until you put the Earth back together again into the original conditions, it's going to be impossible, or it was impossible, for people to see where the Garden of Eden was located. But the Hebrew does give specific clues that you have to pick out one by one to find out where the rivers that came from Eden, you know, where they are now and where they came from. And it was backtracking all these things and these clues that led me to the location of a high place and a walled area like a garden, 2,000-foot-high walls around it, completely surrounding it, and a source for the water that would have fed the great river coming from there to go down and split, you know, continents. Stan, the Bible teaches that in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. Was that the time that the continents separated? I think so, yes. It makes clear sense. It's been 150 years or so of the impact from the flood, according to our calculations. And we've had one astronomer, in fact, to backtrack the wobble of the earth, if you wish, at 23 and a half degrees, you know, the, the tilt. And that's like a top that you spun up and it used to be vertical, and then it starts to lose energy and it rotates around at that point. So you can backtrack that with mathematics, and that leads us to about 2345 B.C., when everything was straight up before that asteroid hit. Now, Stan, the location of Eden is described in Genesis 2, and let me read a few verses from there. The Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and it became into four heads. The name of the first is Pishon, that is, it which compasseth the whole land of Havala, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, and there is Bedellum and the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gihon, the same that is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia, and the name of the third river is Hadikal, and that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, Stan, would you unpack those verses? That's a lot there, but would you kind of unpack those and let us know how those helped you to find the location of Eden? All right, James. Well, first of all, we planted the garden eastward in Eden. Mm -hmm. Where is this story being told? Eastward of what? Have you ever thought of that? Um, (laughs) That's a good question. Well, people assume that God was speaking in Jerusalem or something, but... uh, Not necessarily so. The Earth has had two episodes in recorded history from the Egyptian and Chinese astronomical records. The Earth crust has been upside down, where the sun rose in the west and set in the east, in two periods of time that we have in recorded history. Now, before the flood, we know that east was west and west was east, which is why a lot of people couldn't find Atlantis that Plato talked about in the uh, Critias and Timaeus debates. But having said that, the Earth was upside down when this was told. And eastward in Eden would have been what is our, I guess, west. But the tilt of the crust of the earth was not exactly 180 degrees out. It was about 150. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to the trouble of generating lines, uh, you know, showing where that the original vertical was and where east of it was and things of that nature. And I said, well, okay. Now, God is telling this in Genesis to Moses. Now, where was he telling that to Moses? He was telling it to Moses, not in the Sinai Peninsula, but across the Gulf of Aqaba in Saudi Arabia today, but in that area. And if the earth was upside down by 150 degrees at that time, I was looking at where east was from him going toward Africa. It points to North Africa. 
So that's where he was telling Moses, it's eastward of Hero, the, uh, the mountain of God, that way, over into northeast Africa. So that's how I was able to first locate where to start looking. And the first time when I wrote a book about this was in 1989, the Vindicator Scrolls. And at that time, following those leads, I came to a point where rivers came from one spot, northeast Africa, the Danical Plains. And I thought, okay, well, the Garden of Eden must have been in this area, you know, surrounding here, which is covered in salt and volcanoes. So, you know, okay, who can prove any further than that? So I went ahead and published that. Well, a couple years later, we had the Internet come up, and Google Earth gave us the ability to go down and track these rivers and things and lands by, you know, from the air. And the Scripps Institute over in California sent me a pre-release copy of the seabeds that they had mapped out before they even gave it to Google Earth. And so using that, I was able to see, well, the river that feeds the Danical Plains is part of the great East African Rift. It comes from a much higher place. Right. It's a single river. So I, I tracked it all the way back up to where it started. And, you know, voila, I found its starting point, and I put a pin in that, and I zoomed up like Google Earth searching, and then I went to Google search engine. I said, what is in that area? And right where the pen was, where they came from, where that one river came from, was a place that they call Africa's Garden of Eden, hmm. in Goro and Goro Plateau. Well, then I started to explore all kinds of things from there. And I found that that was the Garden of Eden, not just Africa's Garden of Eden, it was the Garden of Eden of the Bible. And until I took a safari over there with a friend of mine that said, let's go do it, I wasn't sure. But once I got there, all the clues fell into place, and I talked to the local tribes and stuff. And they said, yes, this, this crater here, Goro, Goro Crater with 2,000-foot walls, that was where God made man. And uh, he came down from heaven and made man there, and he went back up into the sky. And this is talking to Totoga and Maasai and things like that through translators. So, yeah, that was the Garden of Eden, is the Garden of Eden today. When I was in the Army stand on one of my deployments to Iraq, I went to Al-Qunra, and Muslims say that the Garden of Eden is in Al-Qunra, which is 47 miles north of Basra in southern Iraq. They even have a tree there that they call Adam's Tree, and an Iraqi man will sell you a t-shirt that says, I've been to the Garden of Eden. But I took that with a grain of salt, and I didn't get the t-shirt. But you talk about this area in Tanzania called Nagoro-Nagoro, and it is a beautiful place today. You have photos of it on your website. Would you describe the place today? The top of the volcano actually formed a small table area inside the volcano when it collapsed. It's called Ingatati Hill. That volcano used to be as high as Kilimanjaro, which is in Africa there, uh, in Tanzania too. But anyway, it collapsed down there and formed this perfect garden area with very fertile ground. And a river came down from the north part of the Ngoro Plateau into this garden to water it all through the whole area, beautiful 100 square miles, and the top part where the water comes from is 10,000 feet above sea level, up to the north. And I tracked all through there up to the north to see where the water came from that not only made water for the Garden of Eden, but created four super huge rivers that went down the hill in the north and down the East African Rift to form four great rivers spoken of in these passages you read from Genesis 2. So the first one, I traced hundreds of thousands of miles down at about an altitude of about a mile in Google Earth, looking for riverbeds and, and where they went and how they could have gone and how they did go to find the pathway of these rivers. It wasn't hard in most cases, but over in the Middle East, it was difficult finding the Euphrates. Now, the fourth river, Genesis 2.14 says, and the fourth river is the river Euphrates, that's Herat in Hebrew. When the ancient Hebrew was written, 
They didn't have plurals like shoes with an S. They had, if they pluralized something, they said it twice. So in other passages in Genesis, it says, the river Ephrat Ephrat, meaning the river Euphrates, is broken, it's in pieces. And so when I track that back, I can see where the Euphrates used to come from up in Tanzania, from the Garden of Eden, down into the Mediterranean and around at the edge of Turkey and then down into the Persian Gulf. And there's one crowd that said they've discovered a city or a civilization at the bottom of the Persian Gulf. That had to be the Garden of Eden. And they say, look, it's got two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, coming into it. Well, excuse me, if you have a river that's going to be a great river and it's going to come out of the Garden of Eden, it's not going to be below sea level. It's going to be up in a high place. So anyway, you track back Euphrates to the first one. I started backwards with, with Euphrates. And it comes around through the Mediterranean and all of the, the coast of Israel or the Levant up into Egypt, either through the Red Sea or through the Nile. God willing, we'll continue this conversation next time. Thanks so much for being on the program with me today. We'll have more from Stan Deo on his quest for Eden next time. Few people can thrill a crowd like author and researcher Stan Deo. Today, we have Stan's DVD, Quest for Eden. In this DVD, Stan shares two different presentations, one on his search for the location of the Garden of Eden, and the second explores the connection between Solomon and the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. Quest for Eden DVD is available to order today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. These two studies are off the charts as Stan takes us to the ends of the earth in search for the elusive Garden of Eden. And as a bonus included on the DVD is a special interview Derek Gilbert conducted with Stan Deo. Order Quest for Eden when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Be sure and ask how you can receive free shipping on your order. 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins come now to share information and insight through the lens of Scripture in today's installment of Headlines from the End Times. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story comes to us from New York where a tiny chip was recently inserted into the right hand of Tesla owner Brandon DeLawley. The chip now allows DeLawley to unlock his vehicle. He shared a video on Twitter and YouTube of having the Vivo Key Apex chip implanted by a professional piercer. After the quick $400 procedure, Delali used the back of his hand to unlock his Tesla. He told reporters that his chip is not his first implant. He has a smaller chip implanted in his left hand that stores his contact and medical information and the key to his house. 
Delali requested that reporters keep his hometown confidential. He said that he was concerned about, quote, the religious people who have sent me a bunch of weird comments on Facebook about the mark of the beast on the video of my first chip installation, close quotes. He went on to say, there's something in the book of Revelation that talks about this mark in your hand or forehead that shows your allegiance to Satan or something like that. I just don't want to have to worry about forgetting my car keys. I'm not over here worshiping Satan. Well, Delali says he only allowed himself to be chipped so he would not forget his car keys. We are concerned about this type of technology. What is to stop someone from using this technology to track an individual? Brandon Delali may think his chip is handy, but it is moving us closer to the beast tech the Bible speaks about in the last days that will allow the Antichrist to control the world. In a related story, President Joe Biden recently issued an executive order titled Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets. The order calls for urgent research into developing the digital dollar. Replacing the dollar with digital currency has many economic experts worried. Robert Kiyosaki, investment guru and author of the personal finance book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, said President Biden's signed executive order is, quote, the most treasonous act in United States history, close quote, and the creation of the central bank digital currency as, quote, communism in its purest form, close quotes. Jim Rickards, another economist, investor, and former CIA official, says the new digital tokens can be turned off if the government does not like what you are doing. The new digital dollar is being called Biden bucks by many economists. Biden bucks are not like the money in your online bank account. No, this is new and different. Every digital dollar will be a programmable token like Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. They will replace the cash dollar we have now and will soon be the sole mandatory currency of the United States. If the government does not like what you're spending your money on or what organizations you give cash to, they can simply flip a switch and make your money worthless. We are truly headed to a cashless society that can someday be controlled by a one-world dictator, the Antichrist. Our next story comes out of Baltimore, where the Episcopal Church backed the ability of people of any age to seek gender-affirming care at its 80th General Convention, which was held this past July. The resolution supports gender reassignment surgery for anyone, including minors. It calls for the church to advocate for access to gender-affirming care in all forms and at all ages as part of the Episcopal Church's baptismal call to respect the dignity of every human being. This resolution continues to solidify the church's liberalization. The Episcopal Church has traded biblical values for worldly values, including the ordination of homosexuals as clergy. As a result, many conservative Episcopalians have left to join the Anglican Church in North America, which opposes abortion, euthanasia, and LGBTQ plus ordination. If you are a member of a church that focuses more on a woke culture agenda than the Word of God, then you need to leave that church. Our next story comes from California, where over a thousand men in California prisons now identify as women. 
Of the 1,115 men who say they identify as women, one in three has officially requested to be transferred to women's prisons. Legislation passed by the California State Assembly, SB 132, took effect on January 1, 2021. The new law allows incarcerated individuals to be housed in a manner consistent with gender identity. Since the law took effect, there have been several reported cases of biological females being raped by the male prisoners who identify as female. One female inmate said, quote, Does anyone care that we are being forced to house with six foot two, 250-plus pound men that are here for brutally raping women? Where is the safety concern for us? Close quotes. This is tragic. Will California legislators now see the recklessness of giving biological men access to spaces that are meant for women? Will they see that even if they support the transgender ideology, lines have been dangerously crossed and women's safety is directly threatened? Over the past couple of years, we have been told to follow the science. Well, it's time for radical Californians to listen. Follow the science. Follow biological facts. Men and women are different from the moment of conception. Men are men. Women are women. Follow the science. Follow the Bible. We end this edition of Headlines from the End Times on a positive note. For the eighth consecutive year, Chick-fil-A has been named America's favorite restaurant fast food, or otherwise, according to the latest American Customer Satisfaction Index study. The study described Chick-fil-A's perpetually high ranking as, quote, a stranglehold on the fast food industry, close quote. The study measured customer satisfaction among more than 20,000 randomly selected customers. On a scale of 0 to 100, Chick-fil-A led all other restaurants with a score of 93. Jimmy John's placed second with a score of 79. Chick-fil-A remains very popular despite being pro-Christian and pro-family. Chick-fil-A is often criticized because the restaurant is closed on Sunday to allow employees time to attend church services. Much controversy was generated in 2012 when Chick-fil-A president Dan Cathy voiced his opposition to gay marriage. There have been several instances of local governments or college campuses opting to ban the chicken sandwich chain over their conservative Christian views. The liberals, the so-called progressives, and all the woke crowd have continued to unleash their hostility toward Chick-fil-A. But Americans are not buying into it. The louder they yell, the longer the line grows at the Chick-fil-A drive through That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins, leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul who said in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Today we have Stan Deo's DVD, Quest for Eden. In this DVD, Stan shares two different presentations, one on the search for the location of the Garden of Eden, and the second explores the connection between Solomon and the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. Quest for Eden DVD is available to order today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. 
Tomorrow, Stan Dale will return with more insight and details on his quest to find the Garden of Eden. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station, download our SWRC mobile app, or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.